What's up, my confidence queens? Are you ready to feel confident as fuck? I'm your host, the confidence queen herself, Alicia Lechuga, and I am your confidence bestie. I went from trying to shrink my body in order to find happiness and approval to finally letting go of dieting, others' opinions, and inspiring hundreds of women along the way. This podcast is all about confidence, living unapologetically as yourself daily, and ultimate self-love. This is Confident as Fuck. Okay, let's get started before we just spend the entire day talking. Yeah. I mean, even though that's kind of why we're here. <laughs> um, okay, what's up? And welcome back to Confident as Fuck. I am here with Jaden, and I am so, so, so excited. We've already been talking for a little while because this is actually our first time meeting in person. So, Jaden and I met online, I would say probably like what, three, four months ago, three yeah. months ago? And we actually had a mutual connection through Brittany, which you guys know from the podcast. Um, I'll link her episode down below for you guys as well. And daddy is daddying as always. But we're here. We're having fun. We're excited. So that's how we met. So tell us, everybody, first of all, welcome, Jaden. So welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for driving out. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. And tell us a little bit about you and your business. Yeah. Cool. This is so fun. I'm really happy to be here. I loved driving down this morning, and I feel like we already filmed a whole podcast episode. In Literally. The just like before <laughs> this. Um, so I'm excited to see what we do. But yeah, my name is Jaden. I'm based out of Los Angeles, and every time I tell somebody that I live in L.A., I feel like I need to tell people that I lived in Vermont for most of my (laughs) adult life, and I'm from Pittsburgh, um, but I live in Southern California right now. You do give a Vermont or Midwest vibe. Thank you. Yeah. Like, I would never have guessed LA just by looking or meeting you or knowing you, Um, and by your Instagram, too. I don't think I would have thought, like, LA. Um, It's funny. I Not that I don't have any judgments about LA. I actually really love it. But I went to, I'm really giving a lot of misleading information about me, (laughs) but I went to New York for Fashion Week. I got invited to a fashion show with my mom, and I was in a store, and someone was like, oh, yeah, I can totally feel that you're from L.A., (laughs) giving some L.A. vibes. And I was like, really? Shit. (laughs) That's so funny. What is an L.A. vibe? I don't know. Like, I was like, maybe I looked cool. Maybe. I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But there's so many different pockets of L.A. that, like, it's funny when, so since you're not from here either, I'm from Dallas. I don't know if you knew that. Um, But I, when I first came to L.A., I thought it was going to be completely different than what it is, obviously. It looks, it looks and feels totally, you are being literally disgusting. Um, It looks and feels and, and is totally different than what you think or what I think is shown, um, Especially, like, I was so young, I was, like, sheltered. So, like, I didn't – I'm sure there's tons of information now. But anyways, um, there's so many different pockets of L.A. that, like, you could be, like, from Silver Lake or Baldwin Park or Long Beach or even Orange County. You would probably say you're from L.A. when you go anywhere mm-hmm. else. So I just think it's funny. Like, there's no L.A. vibe, but maybe a California vibe. Maybe, maybe that's California. the vibe. It's probably not shocking to I want to live in Topanga, which is like the little yes. hippie for anybody who doesn't know. Topanga is it's so a pretty. little hippie town in a canyon. And when you're there, you feel like you're 100 miles outside mm. of the city. There's 
one general store, a couple of cute stores. But yeah, it is funny. And a lot of I skate Mm -hmm. and I'm in like a skate kind of pocket in LA. So be like, oh, what's it like living in LA? And I'm like, I don't really know know. because I'm (laughs) only in this little kind of zone and all of my friends are from New York and Vermont. Oh, really? My experience of it. So there's so many different ways that you can live for sure in the city it's wild for sure yeah and you live like in LA in LA so if you're yeah. listening and you're not from California if you've never been to LA very much um where uh Jaden lives is like in LA like almost like close to downtown mm-hmm. like in the heart of LA whereas I'm technically in Los Angeles County as well However, I'm outside like 25, 30 minutes out in Long Beach. So, and it's a totally different vibe over here. Totally. Totally different. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I want to live closer to the water because I also surf and yes. love the water. Like, yeah. How can Let's you talk live about this close to the ocean and not? I love, I love being close to the ocean. I didn't know how much I would love it until I was here. And then COVID actually, we didn't go to the beach that much until um, COVID happened. And then that was like kind of the only thing to really do. They still had our beaches open and we were like, Whoa, like we do not access the beach as much as we should have living here in Long Beach. And I just, yeah, I love being close to like the water. Let's get into it. So tell us about your business. Yeah. So I am a, I work as a trauma informed coach and mentor for women. And I really focus my work around helping people live in their version of whatever is their highest alignment in life. So it's really working toward living confidently in your purpose, doing the things that you want to do, raising your standards for what you want your life to look like, and following through with it, while also doing all the really fun work, like healing your past, Mm -hmm. healing your patterns, like moving all the stuff out of the way that blocks you between where you are now and where you want to go. Um, You mentioned confidence and... Um, I think you said it on a story or a reel the other day too. You were talking about confidence. So what do you feel like um, your work, does it give more people more confidence or do they have to have confidence to do the work or is it a little combo of both? Well, it's interesting. I actually was working with one of my mentors, Yana, and she helped me develop my why. And if anybody listening runs a business in this world, like the more you do, the more you're like, what is it that I really do? So I was working with one of my mentors recently, even though I've been doing the same work for years about what is my why. And we came to what I'm really here to do is to help women or people build firm trust in themselves through honest expression and self-advocacy. I think you have to have a little bit of confidence in yourself to go, I'm going to show up for myself Mm -hmm. in a new way. Um, So there's a little bit of, a little bit of that, depending on where you find me. If you come in through a workshop, which kind of yeah. anybody could do, but if you jump right into a container, I'd say there's probably a part of you that's already feeling like you got something. But most of my work is connecting to that piece of like, what do you want? How can you trust yourself to do it? And it's not only in careers and in business, but like in relationships. Like, if it bothers you that your partner puts his shoes on the left side of the door and you want them on the right, are you confident enough to say, hey, this really Mm -hmm. bothers me, and I know it doesn't mean anything about me, but I just want to share it with you? And 
that's a huge part of the work that I do with people is having trust in, you know, what's true for you and just being able to express that. Yeah. I love that. I love that you brought it back to trusting yourself. Um, because I was talking to someone yesterday and they were talking about, um, they wanted to stop therapy Mm -hmm. and she was saying like, I feel like I'm kind of at a stalemate with therapy and, um, I'm ready to kind of like go out on my own. And what do you think about that? And I was like, yeah, you know, like, I think you're totally right. Like what, what type of work do you want to do outside of therapy? So we started talking about that and she was like, well, maybe I should put a timeline on like when I'll reevaluate and decide if I want to go back to therapy. And I was like, okay, well, why, why do we need that timeline? And, um, this person I'm really close with. So I was able to be like very, very honest, not a client, a friend. You're like, but, why? Um, what'd you say? <laughs> Tell me why. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so why? Like, yeah. why is a timeline there? And she was like, well, because I just feel like, what if I don't, like, what if I don't make the progress yeah. in the time? Or what if I don't, like, what if I just spend that time wasted or whatever? And I was like, well, honestly, that goes back to like, trusting yourself that you're going to quote unquote like do the work and then that's also a way for you to like value how much work am I doing right but it goes back to that's confidence in yourself that you're going to keep your word and I think the biggest um piece of confidence is like exactly how you phrased it trusting in yourself yeah that's it yeah and being able to act on it Mm. it's funny as I was saying that most people come into my world and I've never talked about this, but we go through this process where step one is not on purpose, but it always ends up going this way. Step one is always relationships. Mm -hmm. Like people come in and then they transform their relationships, usually with yourself and your confidence and then with the people that you're close to. And then you handle that piece and then it goes into career, business, Mm -hmm. all the flashy stuff that people usually come to me for at first. But like you're saying, the way... The old quote, the way you do one thing is the way you do all in that piece. And that's a big reason why I was excited to do this show with you is because the confidence queen. I'm like, it's so important. It's all you have. For sure. I love that you said that. Like, it's all you have. Because at the end of the day, we are all we have, right? Right. And so if we don't have, I think, confidence and self-worth and trusting yourself all goes so hand in hand. And if we don't have that how can we realize or how can we um, trust others or have confidence in others to do things right if we don't have it in ourselves yeah like if um, we're having like an issue where we're trying to uh, trust someone else to do something like a significant other um, you know do what they are saying they're going to do or um, having trust in them if you're like someone who always wants control which is definitely me mm-hmm. um, yeah me too like always want to have control we were talking yeah. about this earlier right it's really coming from within like because we don't feel like we have control over certain things right so we don't trust other people to follow through Mm. or have their the control or um, take control because we want to always make sure if anything falls it's like our fault and we can't blame it we can't blame anybody else so interesting it's so cool too because it's part of it is actually getting real with what do you actually care about because if we want to control everything I work with people around this all the time it's like we want to control everything or we want everything to go this way usually from some sort of a trauma response or conditioning and you can actually go what do you actually want like maybe you don't actually care 
about all these things you think you care about. But when you don't get clear with what do I actually want? Yeah. And can I just release the stuff that I don't really care about and just let that be and really focus on what I want? That's a huge breakthrough. Yeah. I think that's so true. Have you read um, Existential Kink? I haven't. Okay. I've heard you need a lot. to read it. Yeah. You need to read it. Um, it's super, super good. I actually want to reread it because it's a kind of intense read, especially for like where I was in my journey. I think mm-hmm. it was like I absorbed a lot of it, but a lot of it I probably did not absorb. So I want to reread because it comes up almost, I probably reference it like every other podcast because she talks about in that book that what we actually say that we want, we don't actually want. And then the things that are keep manifesting in our life, whether it be lack of um, income or career um, changes not happening as fast as we want or, you know, um, cycling the same type of um, man in our life or significant yeah. other. That we keep saying like, oh my God, like I can't like, you know, this is a really obvious one, but like I can't find a good guy, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, obviously you don't really want one because right. here's why. And so she's, the title Existential Kink is based on her um, theory or explanation that um, we, the things that we say we don't want, we actually get off on. So that's mm. the kink part. And um, it's really, really, really a good book. That's good. I have to read it. And when you're talking about that, the way I think about it or teach on it, right, it's the primary function of our nervous system is to keep us safe. And Mm -hmm. as I say, same, to keep us safe and same, not sane, but same with an M. It feels safe to us to have the things that we've always had. And it's usually not what we want. Yes, And something so great is that we get used to this certain amount of chaos in our Mm -hmm. life. We might get used to a certain amount of chaos in a relationship or a certain amount of uncertainty in our job or a certain amount of like, oh shit in our life and kind of what she's saying, but in a different way, like you just keep bringing that in because it feels good and it feels safe and you have to stop and go, what do I really want? Am I willing to actually listen to myself and trust myself and do something yeah. that feels better. Because I feel like that kink, right, like fuels our, yeah, it's like a this hit of chaos yeah. that we're used to. Yes, I remember, like, I think I've referenced this on a podcast episode too, um, that a really big breakthrough for me was one time when um, going through all this trauma healing and stuff like that, it can be really taxing on your partner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because you're going through a lot so you could be lashing out at them or they're probably I mean at least under Renee's right God he's bless like <laughs> yeah seriously God bless them we love because you. he was like I don't know what the hell is going on with you and because you're going through a lot of emotions when you're like yeah. processing this stuff um and so I remember once during that time we we're fighting a lot mm-hmm. um and he was like I remember he just like looked at me and he was like, you really love to fight. You really mm-hmm. like you get off on this shit. Mm-hmm. And this is while I was reading existential kink. And I was like, ah, like, no, I was like, no, I don't. And he was like, no, I, Alicia, I I'm being honest with you. Like, I really think that you yeah. do because there's nothing like what's happening right now is not a big deal. It's not like life changing. Like what we're arguing about is fucking stupid, mm-hmm. but you are like, living to argue about this and I was like 
as it's because at that time I was reading my book, but I was like, wow, like, I hate to admit it, but I think you're completely right. Yeah. And like you said, it's bringing in that chaos. And when we don't have that, I think we can feel really uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wait, like, is like that feeling of like, is life too good? Like what's wrong? Like something needs to be wrong. And we don't realize we're doing that. Like we don't realize we're like, Actually, well, that's self sabotage, mm-hmm. and um, that's who recommended me that book is the Sabotage Queen, Chelsea. Um, so if you're looking for more content like that about all that type of stuff, she's definitely um, someone to check out. I've had her on the podcast too, so you guys can check out her episode as well. Yeah, um, it is wild. That's like one of the biggest things that we can start to look at of because whatever we're doing always feel safe and then if you move past it if you're like okay cool I'm not gonna start doing this thing anymore and I'm gonna move forward we'll start to pull in chaos in other areas yeah, of our life. for so sure it's constant being aware and making the decision to feel better which is so much harder than, than it sounds <laughs> yeah you would think that would be easy but that's the hard part is actually going yes I'm gonna show up for something that feels better even though I want to start this fight or even though I want to bring this mm-hmm. chaos into my career, I'm actually going to do this other thing and moving past what the nervous system's used to and going into that new ground is so scary. For sure. It is. It's very nerve wracking and it feels very like odd and strange. And, um, but it's, it, once you push past it, like you said, it gets so much better, like mm-hmm. so much better, so much better when we can like put our um, ego away and um, like recognize when it's coming up, recognize that self-sabotage because something that Chelsea always references is like the self-sabotage like tendencies never really go away. Like they always are there kind of like, you know, almost like in the back of our mind, like, hey, like over here and um, recognizing when those come up and then moving through them. And it gets faster and faster, right? Yeah. Kay Hendricks wrote the book, The The Big Leap, which is a really good one. And his question to move past the self-sabotage is to actually ask yourself, I might be butchering it, but it's, am I willing to feel better? Mm. And if you ask yourself that, like you contract or I contract. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I don't know. Am I willing to feel better? I don't think so. I kind of like feeling like this. Yeah. Not yet. I don't want to feel better yet. Like, I don't know what that will be like. Yeah. Like, no, I'm happy where I am. So that's a question that you can use of when you notice yourself wanting to start a fight or I, that's one of my patterns that comes up. If things are really good in business Mm -hmm. or really good in all parts of my life, I'm like, you didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I want to yeah. do that. And to stop yourself and go, am I willing to feel better has been really transformative for me. And it's a good, I like good that. One. Cause that can translate. I have this saying that I always say is like, everything is everything. Right. And so like, you can even transform that to business. Like mm-hmm. say you're going through a hard time in your business. Um, sales aren't going that well or whatever it may be that's coming up in your business. And you can just literally, like you said, if it's out of your control, right, you can ask yourself, like, am I willing to feel better about this? Yeah. Am I willing to feel better or am I wanting to stay in this space of negativity? Yeah. And most people won't ever ask themselves that question. No, that's a that's kind of a profound question because it puts all the responsibility back on us. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of hard to handle sometimes. 
What's your um, human design? Oh, I am a manifesting generator. Oh, really? That's funny that you think people, I come across calm on the forefront. I think my, my rising sign is calm <laughs> on the inside. Um, actually, no, my, ri- my rising and Scorpio. Oh, yeah. What's your sun? I don't know. What? I don't know. Your I don't sun know what sign? I am. I'm a Cancer, and I know that my rising is Scorpio. That's that your your regular right. sign is your sun sign. Oh, yeah. Cancer. I was like, how do you not know that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Cancer. Wait, you know you're rising. You got it. Yes. <laughs> the nurturing mother. Yeah. Hard shell, soft on the inside. Mm-hmm. I'm not that calm. I I am. It's so funny. Well, I was talking. I talk to people who I work with with my mentors. They're like, you're really laid back. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm like, I'm chill, but I'm not laid back. Yeah, I could see that. I see what you mean. There is a difference between like chill and laid back. Well, what is, to me, chill is not having any um, need. Like what I think mm. of chill, it's like I'm laid back, but I have a ton of needs, a ton of desires. Hmm. I wonder if needs and desires translate I guess to I'm chillness. thinking of like... The conditioning of, yeah, like the good girl conditioning, like the cool girl who's like, oh, I'm not going to. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't need anything. I'm like, I'm not chill. Whatever you need. (laughs) Yeah. You got a beer, whatever. Like, I'm down with anything. Yeah. I'm definitely not a chill girl like that. Um, I'm laid back, but I ain't chill. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we need to, like, reevaluate that word or what we mean when we're saying, like, you're relaxed. Right. I think you are relaxed. relaxed. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. When I said that, I'm like, yeah, you are relaxed. You're not like, I feel like sometimes I'm f- a frantic energy for sure. Yeah. But I don't get that. Or I haven't. Oh, that's good. I don't feel that way. Thank God. <laughs> um, well, it's probably because I have like, my dogs are here. My dogs yeah. are like, you know, doing their thing. But um, I think I feel calm and chaos yeah, too. So for sure. like, I feel so comfortable. Yeah. I'm the opposite. For sure. So like when people have a chaotic energy, um, I'm already, I feel like I'm a little bit chaotic. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I definitely, I don't feel like I'm like high on the scale, but, um, any type of like chaotic energy, I am usually like, oof, like I shrink. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I want to be like as far away from this as possible. So I always attract really calm and relaxed friends. (laughs) Yeah. Like I always do. I feel like most of my close close friends are calm relaxed or exactly like me where they're like a little bit chaotic at times and then relaxed sometimes yeah. but anyways um, um let's get into weekly fave do you uh, have a favorite that you've been loving this week yeah this week i think this week which i wish it was a different answer but this week it's really been hot yoga oh yes um I was doing hot yoga a lot earlier this year and then traveling a bunch and this and that. So I didn't get the month long membership and I started going back to my studio and have been really loving it. I love that. Is it um, like a specific type of hot yoga or is it just right like a not like a Bikram or something? No, it's just like whatever asana they feel like doing. And it's this amazing studio near my house and it just feels so good it does feel good when you get out of there for sure mm-hmm. I did hot yoga Bikram actually yoga um before the documentary came yeah, out I obviously. Watched that. <laughs> like <laughs> awkward yeah. um but I did do it for 
um, like a good few months, like every day. I had a friend who wanted me to go with her and I went and it's exhilarating. Mm -hmm. Very, very tough. And then there's a studio here in Long Beach that um, does not not like a, a specific type, but like a hot yoga, but it's a lot less hot than mm-hmm. Bikram was. Um, and I still love it. I just feel like I feel like rejuvenated afterwards. It's like almost like, um, you know, people talk about going in the sauna after a workout. Yeah, I love the sauna too. Really? I love anything that shuts my mind off. Yeah. I do. So I really love yoga. Because I, I've been working out from home forever. Like before, it was cool. Before the pandemic, like when COVID happened and all the weights were sold out everywhere, I already had a home gym, like, <laughs> working out at home forever. And I just kind of lost its sparkle for me. I think when I started working at home as well, mm, for I sure. need to get out of the house and. I would do workouts at home, but I would check my phone or mm-hmm. check my email. Easy to get distracted at home for sure. Yeah. It, I was good at it when I worked outside of the house. But now that I work at home, need to leave. And I love yoga because I go in the room, my phone is off, I'm in my practice, and then I leave. And it feels so good to just be like fully held, especially probably because I hold other people for work. For sure. Which is really nice to go in and shut off fully yeah yeah I didn't realize um going into the coaching space that we're gonna that I say we because we're both coaches but that we're gonna have to like hold space for other people Mm -hmm. I remember Michelle told me that my friend Michelle told me like one time when we're having like a we're barely friends and I think I told her something that was happening or whatever and she was like I'm holding space for you and I was like what the fuck are you talking about like what are you talking about and I was just like okay like thanks and then she continue to say it and then it it all started to make sense the more that I started taking on clients and doing the podcast we're talking about that too holding space for people is it can be really exhausting Mm -hmm. like it can be very um tiring exhausting if you allow it to be but I think it's really beautiful in the same um in the same like token but uh like you said, it's important to like refill your own cup by completely shutting that yeah. out and not holding space for anybody but yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love that that's your fave. Yeah. It's been fun. What is my fave this week? I always try to think back to my Amazon purchases of the week. Um, what am I going to say? Let's see. What did I purchase from Amazon this week? Are you an Amazon girly? No. No? I'm not. What? Yeah. I don't. The only thing I do is Audible. I do really? Audible, which is like, I am grew up <laughs> in the woods. My dad was owned his business. I actually wasn't allowed to go to Walmart as a kid. So the first time I went to Walmart, I was 18. Wait, I've why were only you not been in a couple times. What? Why were you not allowed to go there? Because it wasn't a small business. Oh, okay. I have like small business. Oh, that's why you don't do yeah. Amazon. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. It's ingrained. Wow, in interesting. Me. Every once in a while, I will. Like, you know, you there's like some things it? that you really need. Kind of have to buy on Amazon. Yeah, for sure. Like something. Like everything. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, where <laughs> else do you possibly even buy this? But wow, I that's try. interesting. But I also don't really shop. I was telling you before yeah. how minimal I am. Like, I bought when you were like, "What did I buy?" I bought something this week, which is very rare for me. Yeah. I bought a salt lamp alarm clock. Ooh. 
and that like I never buy online <laughs> but I bought that wow a salt lamp alarm clock so does it have like the time uh, yeah like, it's an alarm like... clock and there's salt on the bottom oh salt on the bottom okay because yeah. I'm trying not to bring my phone into bed you don't bring your phone in the bedroom. I'm trying. <laughs> that's oh, my, you're trying not to. That's okay. my new goal. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I feel like, as you guys are listening, you're probably like, wow, it's totally opposite. <laughs> it's totally opposite of Alicia. Um, but I love it. We, I was thinking that today when you were going to come. Um, I was like, we are really, really opposite in a lot of ways, but really we're so similar yeah. in a lot of ways. It's so interesting how those things happen, right? Like being... Um, I feel like you're like a, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you're like a off the grid girly. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like I could see you just being like, yep, just throwing yeah. away my phone, mm-hmm. going somewhere and never coming back. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. That must me. be very like freeing. Yeah. It's funny. Like I, I grew up in the middle of the woods, so I'm used to it. When I lived in Vermont, I lived in the woods and there is this part of me that wants that and then there's also this part of me that wants to be in a city with all the commotion because I never had that yeah as a kid so it's actually my biggest issue in life of like do I want to live in the middle of the woods off grid on a little community with my friends or do I want to live in LA or live in some big city we should do both right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. because I was actually talking to my sister about this that um we had a like a my grandmother's home growing up she had a um a lake house so that's where she lived is like on a lake her own lake very far out in the woods I mean not too far but 25 minutes from like a actual like store um and going there obviously your phone didn't work you know we're kids so really didn't have phones until we were like I was in high school and um yeah, your phone didn't work. Like you couldn't really go to the grocery store or to anything. Like everything was like a trip. And um, just being there, you know, you're so disconnected. So you're in the moment a lot more. Mm-hmm. And Renee's parents moved to Mexico. So Renee's parents moved to um, right outside of uh, Rosarito. Mm-hmm. And when we go there, of course, we do have our phones because it has Wi-Fi. But even just being there reminds me so much of the lake house growing up. And I was telling my sister this. I was Like, it's so interesting how when I go there, I almost like don't, I'm not on my phone very much unless I really have to be. Um, I don't get out my computer. I bring my computer every time and I don't ever bring it out. Why do we do that? Like, yeah, I know. So (laughs) annoying. Every time. And then it's like, it feels so good. And I was telling her how like amazing it feels to be out of connection, Mm -hmm. even just for like most of the time we're going for like two days or maybe three and it feels so refreshing to do that it's so like so I feel like if we could have both right if you could have like where you spend like a week in LA and then you're like okay I'm out of here yeah this is why I have goals yeah in my business in my career (laughs) to do that like if it if it weren't for that desire to be wanting to be in these different places all the time and have the ability to move through them, I don't think I would have any ambitions. Really? Life. Like every time I think of what do I want, what am I working toward, it's to be able to do that, to be able to be in the mountains, be in the city, be in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so speaking of mountains, you are a, I don't have a favorite 
I'm just going to say it. Oh, I don't have a favorite. Okay. It'll Maybe it'll come up later. <laughs> you are like snowboarding, skating, um, all the like outdoorsy sports, I feel like is what you're always, I always see on your Instagram. So when you go snowboarding, do you go to, where do you go typically? Do you go to Big Bear? Yeah, when, now that I'm here, I go to Big Bear, but I actually have not been snowboarding that much since I moved to really? Southern California a year and a half ago. And you just moved a year and a half ago. I've only been here for a year and a half. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. That's why you still like smell off grid on me. You're like, you're, you still feel <laughs> off grid. I haven't been here that long. Um, but I haven't, yeah, I haven't been riding as much, but I'll go to Big Bear and then we travel a fair amount. So last winter I went to Keystone, which is in Colorado, and Bachelor, which is in Bend, and then Big Bear. Yes, I love that. I just went to, I was telling you, we just tried to, tried to snowboard, so we just went to Big Bear um, last year, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. Um, they, like, pump in the snow. Mm-hmm. So crazy. Yeah. I thought Renee and his friends were lying to me <laughs> because um, I'm not from here, and then they are always, like, joking around. They've been friends for years, and... They were like, no, they literally pump it from the river yeah. and pump it onto the mountain, like freeze it and pump it onto the mm-hmm. mountain. And I was like, this is literally insane. And you're lying. Yeah. And that's true. So do you notice a difference between that snow and like natural snow, like in Colorado? Or is yeah. that common for them? Yeah, they, it, there's a huge difference from Big Bear to other mountains just in general because it's a smaller it's small, mountain. Yeah. But they do make snow almost everywhere. Really? Especially with climate change and global warming. Yeah. It's more than ever. But in most places, they'll make snow, at least in the beginning and the end of the season. But in places like, you know, I used to live in Tahoe or Colorado, Utah, Vermont. It's much different feel than out here. And it feels so different that it almost feels like a different sport. Yeah. Which is why I've been doing more skateboarding and picked up surfing since I moved out here. Yeah, because it's softer, right? Like the natural snow is softer. The natural snow is softer. And what I really like to do is to snowboard in the trees. So like go in the bigger mountain and in the trees and... Off the grid. Yeah, off the grid. <laughs> Literally. Um, and out here, it's mostly terrain parks right. and groomed on grid trails um in snowboarding it's off piste yeah out, out in the woods um how did you get into that oh snowboarding Just growing up I grew up so I grew up in Pittsburgh and I grew up skiing and so I skied for until I was 16 and I was really good at skiing like I was really good at skiing and I say that because I switched to snowboarding when I was 16 because it was cooler yeah for sure Way cooler. I was like I'm skiing and all my friends are snowboarding. So I went from being totally badass at skiing. Like when I quit my skiing hobby career, (laughs) when I stopped (laughs) skiing, that year I remember there were these really big jumps and my goal for that season was to do a backflip. With the skis? With skis on like a big jump. Like there's certain jumps that are so big that you have to get a special pass to even be able to hit them. And I wanted to do a backflip. Like, I was that good. And I was like, oh, I'm going to start snowboarding because it's cooler. Because I had this, you know, cool girl, like, conditioning yeah, when I was younger. For sure. Um, so I switched to snowboarding, and I just fell in love with it. I mean, it's super fun. 
I'm glad in hindsight that, that that's where I am. But I always look back and I'm like, that is so crazy that I truly made the switch because I thought it was cooler. So a lot that's of people do don't it. make that switch, I think, right? Because, yeah. well, at least I don't have, I really have no, um, not much experience in snow. But um, <laughs> when we go with Renee's friends, there's a friend who skis and he's really good at skiing. He's been skiing forever. And same thing. He's like, we all snowboard. Um, I'm like loosely use that term, but, um, claim it. He skis and he's like, yeah, I'm not switching. Like, yeah. I'm not going to switch cause I'm, I can't like, it's too hard. So was it super hard to learn or oh to switch God. your like feet positioning and all that stuff in your I weight? I was so bad really? for so long and I taught myself and for a few years I was just playing catch up with people, like yeah. just trying to chase people down the mountain and it really took a long time of riding and not being good and then when I went to college in Vermont I really got into it and was going a lot and the mountain was bigger and yeah just got super into it in college and started coaching yeah we were talking about that earlier that you actually coached snowboarding and that's probably like your first experience coaching people is that right yeah it's funny because I started coaching snowboarding or teaching and at the same time, I was getting my yoga teacher training, mm. which I didn't tell you about earlier. So I was teaching this action sport. And at the same time, I had this really meditative like yoga approach. So when I'm out on the hill, everybody is teaching the same way we were taught to teach. And I'm out on the hill like, breathe in. And when we breathe <laughs> yes. out, we're going to do a toe turn. Yeah. So that was my intro to coaching and it was very infused with breath and yeah you know that whole thing well, and we were talking about too before we started recording that um like any type of thing where you push your body but we were referencing snowboarding that it can bring up so much like trauma that it can bring up like old feelings things that you didn't even know you needed to work through um and it's kind of like you were saying you used a perfect phrase of like it's a mirror yeah for the rest of your life um because it's hard and it's challenging um so when you were doing that I'm sure that being like that calm relaxed and infusing like breath work and everything into mm. that I'm sure that was like extremely helpful to clients yeah it really was and I loved it and kind of what you're saying doing all of that it's just confidence it's mm -hmm. like building trust in yourself building confidence is really all that it is yeah snowboarding not that hard most things in life not that hard yeah but it's just do we trust ourselves to do it yeah um so and can we not did. make it like mean anything if we aren't able to do it in the time that we yeah. allot? and that's why I love snowboarding and skating and surfing because you fall all the time. Like you really get up, um, you get up, you try and you fall. You get up, you try and you fall. And experiencing that is so humbling and teaches you so much. You're like, oh, I can actually fall a hundred times and then accomplish it at the end of the day. Yeah. And I'm and I'm all good. But yeah, when I when I taught snowboarding, people would always say, you should be a psychiatrist or you should be <laughs> a therapist. And I realized that all I was doing was mindset coaching. Yeah. And that's people. what got you into coaching now. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much that infused with 
a little bit of entrepreneurship and just I think I've always been somebody who's relentlessly I've always relentlessly followed what I wanted to do Mm. like I wanted to snowboard every day so I got a job at the mountain like I wanted to do do anything I wanted to do I would do it and I wasn't really so much concerned of how it was going to work out so I think that piece mixed with the coaching is really what did it you guys hear daddy in the background it's probably because I could not edit that out so sorry (laughs) um I feel like that's such a beautiful transition into coaching because it really I talk about this with Renee all the time that like every thing action that we take or every um job that we've had or experience that we had has built up and built us into the person that we become now Mm -hmm. and prepared us for whatever we're going through right now like um you know, you doing your yoga training and then, um, translating it to snowboarding and then that translating into, um, or infusing it into snowboarding and then that infusing into your coaching. It's like, it was almost life was almost like preparing you for something bigger every time. Mm -hmm. And when I think about that, it makes things like, um, anything that's going on right now seem really exciting because you're like, Oh my God, like, okay, this is preparing me for something even bigger. Like, I wonder what that is. And it's so cool because you would never really probably expect to go from like this, 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 and then it just shows up. Right. Yeah. It is so crazy. Like the most unassuming things end up mattering. Yeah. Right. Like what? I didn't know that this was going to matter. Like a huge part, this random time in college when I decided that I was going to drive to Alaska from Vermont and spend three days (laughs) that's like a whole story in and of itself (laughs) or spend three months driving from Vermont to Alaska and back has been something I reflect on all the time it was not a business idea I wasn't like oh I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna use it to fuel my business later in life right it's always the things that we don't really think about yeah that we just do that we're just led to and we follow I wonder if that's like intuition or if that's just like life's way of guiding us or if that's like what is behind that like driving force that where it's like like you said the things that we don't plan or the things that we do spontaneously maybe it's us taking inspired action I don't know. I think it's like when it feels aligned. I talk a lot about alignment Mm -hmm. in my work, which is basically life. It's like purpose, alignment. But I think about it as alignment. But when something is aligned and it just makes sense and it just feels good and you just do it, I always think about it. It's when you feel really sparkly. You're like, oh, I'm going to do this. It feels really good. I don't know why. It just works out. When we're in that place, we are in our highest alignment at that time yeah and when we're connected to that energy all sorts of incredible stuff happens for sure because we're just in this zone of like yes this feels good yeah yeah it's like releasing all the like um thoughts that come into our head of like oh I shouldn't do this because of this or I need to do this because of business or I need to yeah like like, that's such need should shouldn't Yeah. yeah and we all do that yeah but it's if you look at your life, 
did anything incredible ever happen when you were like, oh, I have to do this thing so that I do this? It's always the time when you weren't in that state when the world just opened up and everything started happening. Like it's almost, you have to have a little mix of both, like a little bit of strategy and and doing Mm -hmm. some work. But it's usually when we're just connected and feeling good and like following that part of us that feels good. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like what there's like that saying where it's like once you let it go, you know, it opens up or something like that, something to that effect of like when you release, um, I'm thinking of like manifesting when they're talking Mm -hmm. about um, not the like the desired outcome, but when you release like the attachment to the outcome, Mm -hmm. then that's when everything can like open up for you. Yeah. What is that called? Like um, not need, but or desired outcome is like the um it's like the grippy attachment to it I always think our mind can only think of one or two scenarios Mm. like we really can it's like I'm either gonna do this or I'm gonna do that like we can only think of one or two things and the reality is that there is millions Mm. and billions and gajillions of things working all the time around us and we have no idea like when I want to feel good and empowered, I just remind myself that I have no idea about anything. Yeah, and it's very true. Our mind is like, oh, it's either going to go. Right. If you're in the coaching world, I don't know how many of your listeners are in. A lot. A lot. Okay. Like if you're in a coaching world, it's like, okay, I'm going to sell this thing and and it's either going to be successful mm. or it's not. And you close out to all the possibility yeah. of who knows what could happen? Like, maybe it is successful. Maybe it's not. But maybe some random person who you meet at a donut shop comes in and invests $9 million in your little thing that, yeah. like, we literally have no idea yeah. what could happen. Or someone comes into that container that ends up being, like, a, a friend for life or yeah. ends up showing you this opportunity. Or, yeah, it's so interesting how you said there's, like, we think of it in two different scenarios I think that's very true yeah because I'm thinking like almost like when I was talking about the um uh, the person that was wanting to leave therapy Mm -hmm. her two scenarios were like I'm either going to do the work on my own or I'm not so I'm either winning or I'm failing right and I think that's like exactly what I was trying to translate to her is I was like it actually can be really like beautiful and you don't have to put a timeline on what that looks like you know but that's a conditioning that we're used to is like okay we're either um doing this or that we're not doing anything in between so interesting black and white thinking I mean that's how we operate by default Mm -hmm. and it's a trauma response it's like Mm. because what we really want to do is open ourselves up to flexibility the unknown going with the flow going what feels good going with what feels good. Let's go to confidence yeah. corner. What did you do this week that made you feel confident? Mm. I'll give you give you the real answer. <laughs> my, my mind, my ego wants to be like, I caught a really sick wave. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I did something really cool, but... I'll speak to this because I also think it's really relatable and it's also really true and real. I think what made me 
feel confident this week is that I just felt really good and confident this week and my partner was out of town and I'll speak to that because this is something in my patterning and also something that a lot of my clients deal with I don't know about yours but it's like this when we're with somebody all the time and then they leave we can sort of deflate if you have a pattern of merging or enmeshment with somebody like if somebody goes out of town at least for me, this will happen for the first couple of days. I'll sort of deflate. And this week, my partner is in Europe, and I just had, like, the best week. I got so much work done. I felt really good. And the reason why was because I set myself up to be busy, to have things going on, and I really made a commitment of, like, I'm going to have a great week. And instead of going, I'm just going to do what happens every time and sort of deflate, I was like, I'm going to have a great week and I'm going to use this time. I'm going to enjoy having the house to myself. It's going to be really fun. And I set that intention and I did it. And it made me feel really confident. That's awesome. Um, I want to ask you what you mean by or describe Mm -hmm. deflate. Yeah. So I think of deflating. (laughs) I'm sort of going into this dorsal, like immobilized, Mm. And it, it, it can be on a spectrum, but deflating could be just laying in bed for too much or like binging on Netflix or not really having a desire. Mm-hmm. Like if you live with somebody and you cook meals and then they go out of town and all of a sudden you're like, I'm just going to eat ramen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I have no desire left. That's what I think of deflating is just kind of losing that spark. Yeah. I think everybody can relate to that in a relationship. It's like, even if it's, like you said, it could be on a spectrum. Um, But I love that you said not doing that made you feel so confident. I think Mm -hmm. that's so common for women, right? Mm -hmm. To be so connected with their partner or um, almost like dependent on their partner for um, at least... I know a lot of people like this and I definitely was like this too, where you're like almost dependent on your partner for your mood Mm -hmm. and how you're acting and how you're, you know, we become so, like you said, meshed. And I see that a lot in clients where, um, they almost like don't know, like we were saying, don't know what they want because it's almost like a trauma response. Like we were saying is like, Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, well, if I let this person down or if I don't do what this person wants, then will they still be there or love me or be around? And um, people actually ask me this about um, Renee a lot um, about my house because like you're here, you know, there's a lot like a lot of pink going on, not only just in this room, but just in general in my house. And um, people always ask me like, does Renee care about that? Or does he ask you or does, you know, how was it when you started like integrating it? And I thought of it last night that, um, what did I show him? I showed him something. Um, and he was like, dude, that's so cool that you did that. Um, I don't, um, it'll come to me in a second what it was, but I was thinking like, this is a perfect example of like, I always tell people when they ask me that question, like, no, Renee does not care about that. Renee does not care about me having pink spatulas and a pink pan and all that stuff. He doesn't care because not because like he doesn't care about the house. He doesn't care because he it's me being like fully expressed as myself and so for him that's really exciting and that when he said that yesterday um with whatever I 
showed him, which I really wish I could remember. Um, he was like, dude, like his excitement for me being fully expressed is like way greater than if he could care about having like a pink pan or something, you know? Yeah. And that message right there, like, I wish that everybody in the world knew that. And that's really like your work in confidence and my work in building firm trust in yourself. When you connect to what you want and you own it and you get excited about it, people around you want to see you sparkle. Mm -hmm. Like you being in that energy is so expansive for people that the people who love you will just back you in whatever it is. Yep, exactly. And if they don't, bye. But like they will. Like the people who are really meant to be there are going to love those parts of you yeah all the parts of you the pink parts like the not so great like any of the parts and when you can just confidently do that other people get excited to hop on board with it yeah and it is just the worst to energy to try to be like oh what are they gonna like maybe I'll do what I think they'll like and then you lose all your sparkle And then people are like, this isn't fun. Yeah. Well, it's like, it reminds me of like a celebrity, right? Why do we like um, certain celebrities? I know for myself, the type of like person online that I would like to follow, um, influencer or celebrity would be somebody that shows up 100% authentically as themselves. And that even goes back to like, if you don't think about some, if you're not automatically thinking about someone that you see online doing that can think back to like a celebrity that's probably a little bit out there a little crazy like I was you know years ago I loved Cardi B when she was like on Love and Hip Hop New York um I think New York anyways doesn't matter but um I loved her mm-hmm. you know maybe I didn't agree with everything that she did um but I loved her because she was herself she yeah. was a little bit out there, but she was herself. And you could tell, you could see that people see authenticity. So it's like you said, like people will, people love to see that. That's why we have like magnetizing people that are like, holy shit, like yeah. I really love to see that because it's rare. Yeah. And when you are yourself and you're like, I like a pink spatula and this is what I'm going to, I'm going to own it. Other people can just relax. Yeah. You're like, this is me. This is what makes me excited. And people are just like, great. Okay, cool. Great. And it's so relaxing to be in the energy of someone who knows what they want. For sure, right? And like, we get to not only have what we want and do what we want, but let other people around you relax and then give them permission to be owning what they want. And then you can relax because you're like, even if you don't like it, or that like it's relaxing and that is better than anything else yeah right right because you see someone being like just living how they want to without um expectations of others or um not expectations like um acceptance from Mm -hmm. anybody else except for themselves that's like oh okay I can then I don't have to worry if I'm giving them acceptance because they don't need it so that's where that I think that relaxation comes from which I think um, in this example, like with Renee, I think that I asked for that acceptance for so long. And then once I stopped, um, 
it was probably very freeing for him. And he's like, oh, thank God. Like, you know, and now I can relax yeah. and be myself. You can be yourself. And it's symbiotic. I yeah. love that. Because would you rather have an apartment that you decorate yourself or would you rather be relaxed? Like if somebody yeah. else wants. And that's the thing is usually one person mm-hmm. has a greater desire, like in a relationship. So it sounds like you have a greater desire to decorate. Yeah. So you get to decorate. It's yeah. like he might have a greater desire for other things that you're neutral about and him taking charge and you relaxing. It's such a gift to just own what we want. And then, you know, if both people like to decorate, then you have to compromise and do yeah. all the relationship stuff. But standing for what you want is such a gift. Yeah. And then it's like, you can also, um, like if you both do like to do the same thing, um, and you find yourself like butting heads with the person because of that, either significant other or in just a relationship in general, it's like, we can let our egos go a little bit and be able to like compromise. And I'm sure even within the same genre, like you might be better at one thing and the other person's a little bit better at the other thing. And then you get to work together and like make a really cool, uh, product out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, um, if you've ever worked as like a, in a partnership with the business, I think that's really, um, helpful to do because you have to relinquish a little bit of control, but you also have to let that person shine in their aspect and let, and you shine in yours. And then it becomes like even more powerful being together. Yeah. This kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier of like, we don't actually want to do everything and be in control of everything. We just want to do the things that we're good at or excited about and, and then be relaxed and then the other people handle (laughs) the other stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Like all this kind of goes back to getting in tune with ourselves and getting honest Mm -hmm. with ourselves and getting like, what do you have clients do for, um, when they're like in those first stages where they're maybe still working on getting honest or getting in tune with what they actually do want? What's something that you do with clients to help them with that? Yeah. Great question. I love this. Usually what I suggest is like obviously practicing is the best thing that we can do all the time and when it comes to being honest I say to practice in low emotional situations Mm. so to say things like hey I actually don't like ketchup I like mustard Mm. or you know I don't like the rug right there can we move it and to really practice I mean this is so life-changing to practice speaking up in these little scenarios or like um, excuse me, you burnt my oat milk. Can I have another cappuccino? <laughs> like little yeah. things. And then once you practice that and you start to build safety and trust with yourself that you can actually say no thank you or I actually want to leave the party early or whatever and people accept it and it's okay and you actually are starting to become happier, then you bring it to more high volume situations yeah. of saying like, hey, I actually don't like to be spoken to that way or I would like to decorate the house pink or you down. <laughs> and you get, you know, you build to that. I had a client. I hope she's listening. If you're listening, I love you. She <laughs> said to me that when we started working together, the person she lived with would be like, hey, what do you want for breakfast? And she would be like, uh, I don't know, like whatever you're having and maybe do you want me to just make it? Like I can just make breakfast. And she said, after working with me 
when he asked what she wants for breakfast, she's like, over easy eggs, on toast, and I'm going to be five minutes late for work, so can you get me coffee? And that is from practicing in little situations. And then, then you actually get to start saying what you want, and it's really not that scary when you practice yeah. it. Yeah, once you practice, like you said. I love that you gave the example of doing it in small low what did you call it low what emotional or low volume yeah like low volume situation yeah like low not in a heightened emotional state yeah. but I love that because it's very true mm-hmm. um my mom always references this that like um when you go to the grocery store right and you're like they give you a receipt and you're like taking your bags and the next person's coming behind you and the person's coming and they're you're like trying to rush to get out of their mm-hmm. way. And she always references this and she's always like, I always pull from what would Renee do? And I'm like, okay. And the first time she told me this, I'm like, what? what <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I just think about like, what would Renee do? Renee would, wouldn't hurry to get out mm-hmm. of their way, right? He would put his stuff in his, um, you know, in his wallet or grab his bags and he wouldn't rush to make the other person happy. And the reason I reference that is because I think a lot of times when we're not speaking our minds or not doing what is aligned to us, because when you're rushing and putting your, you know, your change in your wallet and you're getting out of the other person's way, like, you know, that's like, um, not what you really want to be doing, right? You really, because you're going to go to your car, you're going to put your change correctly or whatever. And, um, I think a lot of times when we're not speaking our mind or not saying what we truly want. It's be out of a conditioning of like, I have to make this other person, whoever it is Mm -hmm. happy first. And that's like a big thing that I use in coaching too, is like, um, I see this all the time with people who come into my containers because they want more confidence is a big thing they bring up is people pleasing. Yeah. And you see that a lot too, right? Yeah. And I, I love that example. And the way I frame it is first of all, the biggest gift that you can give the world it's just your honesty. Like, what a gift to not have to guess. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. my I've brought that into my relationship sort of as a, a little bit of a new concept with him. And we've been together for like maybe three years now. It's like, if I say no, I just mean no. Or yeah. if someone's like, if you ask me if I like my sandwich and I don't like it, I'll say I don't like it. Like, nobody has to guess when I'm talking and it is such a gift because if you have to guess like are they happy did they like it then you're working all the time and and trying to figure it out and it's just not cool and I always frame it with speaking your truth like would you want to be on a date or in a relationship with somebody who didn't like you how terrible would that feel to be like sitting across the table from someone going on dates like all throughout the month or whatever to realize that they didn't like you but they just didn't have the courage to tell you that they didn't How many times does that happen? I'm sure that happens all the time. All the time. And like what a terrible feeling. Wouldn't you just want to know and move on? And I feel like that's with our truth of wouldn't you just want to know so that you can serve someone better? Like if I made you scrambled eggs every morning and you liked them over easy, yeah, I would want to know so that I could make you an amazing breakfast. Like, what a gift yeah. to let someone know what you want, to let them show up for you, or to let them leave your life 
and let someone else come in who can show up for you in business and relationships. Mm-hmm. Dang, that's really powerful. Like you said, it's a gift. Yeah. If we can like think of honesty as a gift, it makes it, it reframes it mm-hmm. to a positive. That because honesty, I think a lot of times is looked at as negative. Yeah. You know, we're conditioned. We keep using that word, but we're conditioned to like not hurt people's feelings you know when we're mm-hmm. kids like oh, protect protect yeah don't hurt their feelings like that's um kind of mean how you're saying it and it's funny because kids always want to be honest mm-hmm. until we shift them right I think that was a huge hurdle for me was like how can I be honest and show up and show my truth and be say what I really feel in high stress situations is where I started trying to do yeah. it and um without being like a bitch or without yeah. coming off as as uh rude right that's very hard yeah and I think it all comes down to seeing it mm-hmm. as a gift For like sure. in my relationship <laughs> like if he makes me breakfast I mean now he knows how to make me a sandwich but it, like when he would first start cooking for me if the bread was too toasted I would say the bread's too toasted. Or if I didn't like the eggs, I would say, I don't like the eggs. Of course, I would say thank you too. But what that led to is now he can make me the perfect breakfast sandwich and he feels so good. Like when he, you know, because people want to make you feel good. So if you actually let them show you mm-hmm. how, they're like, oh, this is awesome. Like I know exactly what you want. And I can give that to you. Yeah. And they're not not always going to give it to you. Like, we don't always just get to go around and get whatever we want. But when someone wants to show up for you. Right. They can know exactly how to do that. And it makes other people feel so good. Yeah. That's like uh, Lana was talking about this on her episode. That if we can all just take care of ourselves, like our own emotional emotions and we can just be honest and we can just instead of worrying about if we're hurting someone else's feelings or worried about um like you know how it's going to make them feel because they were in charge of their emotions and not us Mm -hmm. then we could all live a lot more um relaxed and like symbiotic because hey I'm in charge of my emotions you're in charge of yours and that means that I don't have to worry when I'm saying something and being honest like you're saying so it's like when she was saying that, I was like, that is such a beautiful way to put it. Because if I'm in charge of me and you're in charge of you emotionally, then we're good. Yeah, no one like, has to work. No yeah. one has to do this mental. Like, Which means you get to do other fun things. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think it opens up a whole new world. You can just play. Yeah. Because you're like, everyone is being, there is nothing harder than being in a room with someone who's not. Like when I'm with people, you know, at like a dinner situation mm-hmm. and you can tell that they want to leave, but they're not saying it. Yeah. Or like, you know, something like that. It's like, do you want to leave? Just go. Yeah. It's all good. There is nothing more uncomfortable than being around someone when you have to guess. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's a lot of work. It and is. we think that that's the easy way, but it's really the hard way. And I think everything is counterintuitive mm-hmm, or like sure. oh let me just abandon all my needs and mesh to whatever they want and that'll be easy it's like no you're actually you're that's making actually it way harder really hard yeah just, just let's all relax and play and and it's a if you're not 
used to being like that or if that's not your default, it's a huge shift and it might take months and years to start to like build that kind of trust with yourself. I mean, it's a big one. Yeah. Speaking of that, like it taking a long time, I think you were referencing this on your story or reel Mm -hmm. about how when you coach clients that you are with them for a long time Mm -hmm. because it takes a long time to unravel this stuff. And that's something that I had to notice in my coaching programs too, was like, okay, this is going to be, if I'm teaching on like something that is very um, vast and can touch a lot of different parts, like what we're both teaching on is uh, like, we have to be in a longer container because it takes a long time to unravel these things. So how do you integrate that into your coaching programs and have things that are longer term and get people to invest for a long time? Yeah. That's great. That's definitely something I've noticed recently and I'm moving toward just longer containers because exactly that's in order to make, I like to be really in integrity with things and this stuff doesn't happen overnight. Like we're talking, the work that we're doing with people, we're talking transforming your life, Mm -hmm. transforming your relationships. Like if you think you can do that in three months, you can plant seeds. Mm -hmm. But to really be held through all of that is where the magic happens. And one thing that I do in my business, like from a business strategy standpoint to make that possible, is I always, when I bring people into my programs, I always offer them to continue with me Mm -hmm. no matter what. Um, And I usually do some sort of like VIP or alumni rate for people to make it super easy for them to continue. So if you work with me and you've been in one of my programs, like a group coaching program, or even if you hired me one-on-one, there's always a continuing VIP alumni thing to stay. And I have a 75% retention rate with clients. Like everybody continues because there's so much (laughs) work to be done and they take breaks, but they'll come back at some point. And I think that's a really big thing to offer, you know, if you're coaching is to give people the space to come back in and to keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's huge. Like how many times have you maybe before you were more established as a coach, as far as like you and your own person, how many times have you had people like come to you and say like, oh, like I have to take a break, but I'm like, I was like nervous to tell you. Yeah. Or like, I didn't want to tell you, right? Like I've had people say that to me in personal training. It's like, I have to take a break. I'm like, dude, totally fine. Yeah. Like you always want to leave that door very like open yeah. to bringing them back if they want to come back. Cause you never want someone to feel like, oh, like I had to quit for a while. Um, and then now I can't go back cause I'm embarrassed. Like that's a big thing with, um, personal training is people mm-hmm. say like, oh, I'm embarrassed to go back because, I had to stop for a while but it's like I always want to give people that feeling of like dude come back whenever you're ready no hard feelings no nothing like yeah, yeah. that's why you're so great and like I love that about you and one of my I was on a, a phone call with one of my clients last night and I was like I asked her what her favorite part about working with me was and you know what she said the breaks <laughs> she was like when I take a break and I integrate it, mm. 
I was like, really? Thanks. That's your favorite part. But we've been working <laughs> together for like three years. And when you just said that to me, I want to share this, which I love. And for anybody, especially if you work in coaching or any type of industry like this, there's this triad that is the hero, the victim, and the villain. Mm-hmm. And if you show up in your coaching business or training business or whatever as the hero of like, I have all the answers, mm-hmm. I'm on a pedestal, it puts your clients mm-hmm. in the victim. Or the villain, right? Yeah, well, it puts them in the victim. And it, when they don't want to be in the victim anymore, you become the villain. Ooh. So being like empowered, like what you just said of, yeah, of course, make your own decisions. I'm here. I'm not like this hero. You don't need me. Yeah. They come back. Yeah. Because they love you and you're great. I think when you approach coaching in any aspect like that, where it's like, you don't need me. Like you have all the tools, like we've done all the things. It almost makes it more powerful because then it's coming from, you never want your clients, at least I don't ever want my clients to feel like they need me. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I think they should want to be in the container. Um, and when you approach your marketing and your messaging in that way, it really allows your clients to as well come from an empowered place because mm-hmm. like you said, the need obvious, uh, puts us in a, like a victimizing stand, uh, mindset. Yeah. I think that's really powerful how you said that, like the villain, the victim, the hero. Yeah. yeah. It's really odd. I don't know if you've ever had clients when they first step into your world, almost like put you in that hero. Oh yeah. It's really weird. I'm like, no. Yeah. Please, let me just get this clear. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I think it's I weird. love that about you. You you do a really good job Thank you. of that from like just being in your world for a small time. Because that's the answer is to show up as friend first. Mm-hmm. You show up as friend and human and then you step in as coach in that relationship will be so much more powerful and will have so much more longevity and will serve everybody so much more than like, hey, come into my world. Let me help you. I have the answers. You're wounded. Like nobody yes. wants to stay in a relationship like that. Ooh, I like no how one. you said wounded. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, so powerful. Thank you for saying that because I really try to show that. Um, oh, you're great. I'm like, I feel you. like we're best friends just oh, like I love looking that. at your Instagram. That is literally like the best compliment for yeah. me because I always want to show up in that way because, um, yeah, like it's not freaking perfect. Like it's not perfect. I don't have the answers. Yeah. When people, um, especially like people I haven't met in person when they come into my world and they're like, oh my God, like it seems like you're so this, that, and the other. And it, like, they don't know me yet. They just come into that world I'm like okay well here let me share something with you that will make you think I'm not because (laughs) like um I was talking to someone yesterday and um I just shared something with her like um someone I know like uh pretty well already but I was like yeah no like here's what happened like same thing happened to me here's how this happened to me and yeah like it's not it's something that might be embarrassing but it doesn't have to be embarrassing because guess what like it happens to all of us none of us that are in the human existence are perfect or don't have, you know, things that we're not showing, especially online. Yeah. This is so good. I want to say another thing on this too, of that 
pedestal. Mm -hmm. I actually started starting my containers like this because when you enter as a client into a coaching container and you put the client or put the coach on a pedestal, you've disempowered yourself. You've already put yourself in a box. So when people come into my coaching world now, one of the first things I say is I want you to look at me as the minimum for what is possible for you. Mm. Because if you look at your coach or your mentor as like, they have it all, they'll show me what's possible, you're already in a box. Like, that's what we do in life. We like walk around Mm -hmm. and put ourselves in boxes. Yeah. That's so powerful. Right? Like the minimum. Um, And it's weird because we, I think at least from where I was, I was always thinking in that way. Yeah. Like the box. Um, And when you get somebody in your world that shows you that you can be outside of that, like you are for your clients, Mm -hmm. it is so powerful. And it takes a while, I think, for for that to change, at least depending on how long you've been in that box. Um, It's like, it takes a while, but then you start, then you automatically think that way. Mm -hmm. And it's so different from how most people think that it's like almost like jarring sometimes to people. Um, And I have to, like, I know I have elevated myself now to being, to thinking in that way. Um, And, but sometimes it catches, it can catch people off guard. Um, like when, uh, I wanted to, when I was totally into my fitness, uh, stuff, I was my goal at that time, which I think I thought I would be like, I would have made it or I would have been like, so on top of the world if I could be sponsored by a clothing brand. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, oh my God, I want to be sponsored by like Alphalee or Buff Bunny. Like I was like, oh my God, like, yes, that would be so amazing. And Renee was like, what if you made your own brand? Mm. And I was like, well, people already like, people already made, he's a projector. So always long-term thousand years ahead of me. Um, and I was like, well, they already like, they already represent everything I like. They already have the clothes I like. Like, why would I go through all that trouble to make my own? And Renee was like, dude, you like you're still under under someone else Mm -hmm. which is really interesting because as a child I never wanted to be under my parents so like I was very rebellious as a child so and because I didn't want to be under someone um so I think it's interesting that you know we can take those two different levels almost like different boxes and but then we think like there's a a cap or something, right? Where like, oh, I can only get to this. That's why I love that you said the minimum because it's very true. When your clients are doing even like bigger things than you, isn't that like the best feeling ever? It is. And and we can all get, what's so cool about it is there's like the two edges of the sword, right? There's a part of you as a coach that's going, look at me as a minimum. You can do so much more, which is empowering to the client. But subconsciously like for anybody listening to do you have yourself on a pedestal or Mm -hmm. do you look at your clients as less than you that's not the vibe like that there's this disempowering energy when you look at people that way and people can feel that for sure and it's like whoa check yourself Because it's hard when you're in a leadership role to be in a leadership role and also 
looking at the people in front of you. One of my mentors who does my energy work, this is a cool story. He sat on stage with Abraham Hicks and he was like, my client's having this issue. I can't heal them. Like, I can't fix them. Like, what's wrong? What should I do? And she looked at him and said, why are you looking at your client as anything other than perfection in the eyes of God? Maybe that's your problem. And I was like, yeah, it's like, if we're on the pedestal, not only are we disempowering our clients, but we're doing a bad job Mm -hmm. as a coach or as a leader. I think that's really freaking powerful. Yeah, it is hard to balance that, or it can be challenging at times when you first start to look at your clients in a different way, and Mm -hmm. then you start to realize how, like, as a coach, we're always coaching on things that we struggled with, right? So we're, like, always right there almost with our clients. In in Batty Girls Club, we started doing this uh, morning practice where we share, um, it's from Gala, Darling, and we share... uh, gratitude we share um our day in the past tense and then we share um future desires in the past tense and as I started like sharing these with them right like that's very that's like a big opening to my world and at first it was like I had a little bit of resistance you know towards it because I'm like okay well I'm the leader like how much should I really share right Mm -hmm. but the more that I shared the more I was like, they were able to even like support me through that program. And it's so, so beautiful. Just like we're talking about relationships, they're able to like support me in a way I'm able to support them in a different way. And it doesn't diminish me as a coach at all. (laughs) Isn't that like so crazy? Because we normally would think like, oh, well, our client would see us as, um, we don't have it together or we're not the authority anymore. Cause that's talked about so much online. Blah. It's like be the authority. <laughs> if you're listening to this, stop being the authority. Nobody it, cares. No one, no really, one wants that. No, that's the no, weird part. No right. One wants that because it's the, like if I'm learned, like, yeah, like we said earlier, like we want to be empowered. Mm-hmm. We all want to be, not that we all want to be the authority, but we all want to, be absolutely crushing it in our highest right. form yeah blowing it out of the water for ourselves yeah yeah so interesting I love what you said about and I love the baddie girls club I love the name and <laughs> it's a black belt to be able to be vulnerable to show up as friend first coach second and it really takes confidence in your and I I think that's a thing of when you enter this world first and you lack confidence, and you mask it with, I need to show up as authority. I need to show up like I have my stuff together. And when you start to get really confident in who you are and really confident in your ability to lead, you don't have to show up in that way. You can just be yourself and know that even in your mess or even in your realness, you're still so powerful. Yeah, totally. It's why we have coaches out there who you're like, I don't even care what you're selling. I don't understand, but I'm in it. Yeah. That's why people talk about that. And it's hard to really understand until you're either a client of a coach like that or you start to show up in that way and then you see how people are magnetized to you. 
until you do either like one of those two things or a combination of the boat of the two, like it's really hard to, I think, understand because it seems like it's totally opposite of everything that I think we're taught. Yeah. Cause like think about like uh, authority as like a teacher or like, you know, um, principal or I'm just thinking about like way back into like, childhood a parent you know but no one liked those principles no one loved them yeah Yeah. it's so interesting I was asking I was talking to Brittany and um she was uh I was asking her Brittany is such a sweet 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 soul she I was asking her about another uh coach's program and what she liked about it what she didn't like about it and um we were just discussing it and I was telling her like I'm having a little like I'm having like a um an urge to do this, but I'm not sure if it's right. I'm just talking to her as a friend. And she was like, do you want to hop on a zoom call and just like chat through this tomorrow morning? And I was like, okay, yes. My over like excite, my over, uh, like busy brain was like, I don't have time to do this, but I was like, you know what? I need to do this. And she's offering. And that's really, really nice. And I think it actually would feel really good. So I got on the zoom call with her and I was like, so what about, like when you are about to like purchase a program or like purchase something like small, like a masterclass, like do you even like purchasing those or do you like want to go for like when you're um, in a buying state, do you want to go for like a longer term program or like what are you looking for? And excuse me, she was like, honestly, I almost never think about it like that. I think about like, do I like the person? Are they showing up online in a way that I want to show up? Are they doing something that I want to do? And that's how I usually invest. And I was like, this is so fucking true. This is why you have people who coaches who coach in different ways or different um, containers or in different, like some people do it through Voxer. Some people do it through this. Some people do it through that. And when, that, I think that's why Batty Girls Club was really like a eye-opening moment for me because it was the first time that I ever like I was like I am throwing out the playbook I'm throwing out like how I have to run this program I'm throwing out how I have to launch it I'm throwing out everything like how can I make it to where I feel good about it I'm excited to run it like all these things like how does it align to me yeah and that's what actually resonated with people it's so crazy like it blew my mind because I've launched before millions of times and given so much value, so much information, so much authority. <laughs> and it's so, it was so hard to fucking sell. Mm-hmm. It really was like, whoa, okay. Now I, like everything that every coach has ever told me finally fucking clicked. Yeah. How does, I, this goes back to what we were saying earlier of like the mind can only think of two mm-hmm. things. You're like, oh, I have to launch this way or is it a master class or is it a program and your mind is so stuck when really all they want is you is you yeah so true I have chills one of my I was talking to one of my clients yesterday the same same girl and I was like what do you want me to teach on what do you want more of from me and she said I love that you and your partner go surfing and go to the farmer's market and you seem to be able be able to fit it all in a day Mm. I've never thought about teaching on like and it just that's just me and the mind is oh I have to do this or I have to do that and what's really giving value 
totally unexpected. It's just this other random thing I never thought of. Yeah. And then it's like, you can tap into those things that like aren't in your niche or like your, (laughs) um, your coaching wheelhouse. Right. And you're like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Jenna Kutcher said this, um, that, you know, when we're thinking of this, um, live event that she was doing was all geared towards starting and just getting started as a coach. And so she was saying so many people come to her and say like, Oh, I have to be like, I want to be an expert or I want to get like these certifications or whatever. And she was saying like, you don't have to be an expert in what you're teaching on. You just have to be two, three steps ahead of the person that you're teaching. Right. And I thought that was so groundbreaking because I think so many people are held back by the fact of like, I need to get this, I need to do this, I need to learn more about this. And there's nothing wrong with like improving your craft and learning more. But where is that coming from? What's the, like, what intention is behind it? It's like, am I learning more because I want to serve my clients better? Or am I learning more because I think I'll be worthy at the time? Oh, that's good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was a huge like turning point for me and I was like oh this makes so much sense so that almost allowed me to open up my world to being like okay well I want to teach about this and that and that's how you see people online teaching about random shit and you're like wait what like now they're teaching on this yeah it's because they're aligned to it and they're communicating it in a way that is um, digestible and people just want to be in the room with them so they could teach them anything right and they would be like hell yeah let's learn yeah. It's yeah. energy. If anyone hasn't figured it out yet, you can learn <laughs> it all on Google. You, it's, yes, it's exactly. Just, like you can read. There is no one. <laughs> there's no one out there who is going to teach you some informative fact that you can't get in a book or on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like it's the energy. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. really is. It really is. That's why like certain coaches don't mesh with certain people like and that's totally fine and as a trainer I think that's what I had to figure out too is like every my clients the people that come to me are not going to be the people that go to somebody else so like Mm -hmm. having that removing that like scarcity mindset like oh well she got a client and that was supposed to be my client that's like huge in in a corporate gym um and it's huge online I think now that I'm like thinking about it but like they vibe with them for some other reason and maybe you're not the right coach for them or maybe they're not the right client for you. I'm like, that's a huge thing is like finding like your ideal client. Yeah. Yeah. There's another piece I want to add on that because it's really cool about when you were talking about only needing to be a couple of steps ahead of somebody. Mm -hmm. One thing that comes up for people who've worked with me, they, there's this fear around, if somebody wants to work with you and they seem like they know more than you and people are like, oh no. Like for me, I've had, I have a lot of clients who are like one of my clients, let me just say, I've had a lot of clients who work in personal development, whether they're therapists or they're very well versed. They've been doing this forever. And I see a fear come up a lot of, oh, what if, what if they know more than me? And a really cool thing that I love is if you think your client is so smart and so badass and so knowledgeable, you are the best person to coach them because you can see them in their light. 
like you're like, whoa, you're so smart and you know so much and you're so well resourced, you're the best person to show up and coach them. That's a great way of rethinking that and reframing that. Right. Yeah. I had a client one time who was um, a therapist and I was not ready. Um, Like I was not ready to coach her. And so I definitely showed up in a very like unsure way Mm -hmm. for sure. And uh, because I was always like anything I said, I was like, holy shit, she probably already knows this or like she probably is thinking that I'm wrong about this by because of her therapy background. Yeah. So it's so interesting because it's like if I could have let that go at that time and I think it happened specifically for a reason, but if I could have let that go at that time, I probably could have showed up and held space for her a lot better and with a lot more ease for both of us. Yeah, because that was probably like the most difficult coaching container I ever did was the one on one with her um, for, I think, like three months or four months. I can't remember how long we did it, but it was a long time ago. And it was like very, very difficult for both of us. Like I know it was difficult for her and it was very difficult for me. So and it was because I'm like second guessing myself the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, if we've learned anything today, it's nobody knows anything yes exactly (laughs) our only job is to connect to our energy and do what feels good and say what feels good and everything's fine yeah when you operate from that place yeah um what do you have going on right now when this comes out I know I'm doing like a two-day master class right around that time so if that hasn't happened yet do it Um, I'll have it linked oh my gosh it's like my favorite thing ever so if that comes out by then, you can jump into the masterclass. And in terms of if you want to follow me or connect with me on Instagram, it's Jaden B. Hummel, which have some people have below. thought that it's a play on Jaden B. Humble, which it's not. It's my last name <laughs> and my middle initial. Um, so you can <laughs> find me on Instagram. And my main program is called Exponential Alignment. It's a trauma-informed high-level group coaching program for people who want to live in their highest alignment, whether that's in your life, in your relationships, in your careers, people come in there to do all sorts of things, like finding their soulmates, making like big strides in their career, starting businesses. It's really a place to come in and just align to your highest purpose and have more joy in life. So exponential alignment will probably be opening again in February. So definitely touch base with me if that's something that you want. I love that you've been posting like all your client wins and stuff like that. I've been loving watching that because it's really cool to see people's growth from a container that like you were just saying, it can be so vast, but and people are getting like crazy um, breakthroughs through that. So I feel like it's so like, it's so exciting to watch somebody else like transform other people's lives. I think it's really powerful. So I'll have everything for her linked down below for you guys so her instagram anything that she has coming out um at the time of the podcast release anything that's going on with her i'll have it linked so you guys can connect with her um jaden actually shared whenever she first got here um that she has something really exciting coming out so what is it yeah i'm actually launching my podcast thank you for reminding me it is called every day is a breakthrough and i freaking love that title yeah i'm really excited it took a while to come come to that and hopefully it'll probably be out right around the time that this comes out and it is 
a podcast to really remind you that every day is a breakthrough when you are living in your highest alignment, living in your truth, doing what you want. So it's going to be a place to come in and really expand to that, take yourself on your own journey through whatever I share about my life and my work or interviewing other people. I love it so much. Um, when you said that, um, I don't know if you follow the content queen, I think. Is... I know of her. Okay. Yeah. So she w- posted something the other day where she was like, it's not that you don't have anything to say um, to post about, but it's, and then she referenced like um, that during the day, I can't remember exactly how her post went, but she was saying during the day, we probably have like four or five, six times where we have like almost like a epiphany or a breakthrough Mm -hmm. where we're like, oh my God, like, okay, I just learned this or this makes sense because of this or whatever. Those are the things that you should be sharing was her, of her post. And it just made me think like, dude, that's so true. So when you said every day is a breakthrough, I'm like, Yes, it's so true because especially when you're like living, like you said, in your highest alignment or going on that journey, how many times in the day are you like, holy shit, oh my God, I have to rethink this or I need like my stance on this completely changed or like in this podcast right now, we probably had like 10 times that we both thought about that, right? Yeah. And every day gets to be that. And so I love that title so much because... I think a lot of times we can be waiting for this like big moment, but when can we can start seeing them small yeah. and sharing those, you know, I mean, yeah. it's powerful. So I love that title. So I'll have, if it is out already, I'll have it linked down below for you guys as well. Yay. And, um, we're going to go, I forgot to tell you about this in the beginning, but we do a little like rapid fire at the end. Cool. So do like a little rapid fire question. I got this idea from, um, confidently uncomfortable, uh, podcasts. I love that love name it. too. Yeah, great. She's really great. Um, she's a great interviewer as well. So if you guys haven't listened to her podcast with me or my podcast with her, it's really, really good. Um, okay, so let's do the rapid fire. I'm super excited. Okay, so what is your favorite food? Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is so much harder than I thought. You mentioned breakfast. What? A lot already. You mentioned breakfast. So I oh, feel like it's a breakfast food. Yeah, it's funny. I'm in like a breakfast slump because my partner always makes oatmeal. But my favorite food is probably just like a healthy mixed bowl like I do a lot of I think they they appeared out in the world as like Buddha bowls yeah but I just love like a good hot and cold mixed Mm. bowl with like you know lettuce and then rice that's warm like I love a good mixed up bowl that has hot and cold I love that too um, do you go to Sweet Green a lot since you're in LA? I've been there, but not a ton. I love it. It is very expensive, but it is yeah. so good. I really wish they had one closer to here. They, I think the closest one is like Marina Del Rey, and they won't deliver on Uber or on Postmates. But oh, every time I go to LA, every time I go to visit Michelle, I'm like Sweet Green. I'll yeah. be picking up Sweet Green. It's so good. That's the vibe. A hot and cold bowl. Yes. Like when I have the ability to make it. Yeah, I feel so good. I also like um, Kava. Have you ever been there? No. It's a similar vibe to Sweet Green, but it's like a Mediterranean style. Really good. Really good. They have them all over LA too. Um, And I also love Thai food. I eat Thai food all the time. Me too. Like, love it. Does your boyfriend like Thai food too? Oh my God. He does? Yeah. 
I need we love Thai food. No. He doesn't? No. Oh, my God. I, I thought I liked like, him like when you were, things. like, talking about him. I thought I liked him, but now that he doesn't <laughs> like <laughs> we He's, a like, problem. a really old school, so he's very, like, progressive progressive in a lot of ways. Like, his thinking, you know, he's a projector, but he's super old school in so many ways. Like, Funny. yeah, it's really weird. It's like, you know, they say that you, like, um, you're attracted to someone like your dad. Yeah. And I was always like, oh, hell no. Like, you know, not going to be like that. And the more that I, like, see my dad and Renee interact, I'm like, holy shit. Like, it's so true. It, it, in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Than what you would think. Okay, so favorite food. Um, what's your coffee order right now? My coffee order is an oat milk cortado with mm. maple syrup, if they have it. Yum. Which, on my way here, my one of my favorite coffee shops just started adding maple which is incredible in LA but if they don't have maple I'll do simple syrup nice that sounds really good I'm not a huge oat milk fan but I do I do like them in iced lattes but yeah I'm not really that big of an oat milk fan I'm more of a cashew oh I do I do oat milk and then at home I make my own you make your own oat milk. yeah that's like a big development recently going back to the off-grid I'm trying to like live more slow and really move toward way less waste. So making your own oat milk, super easy. It's easy, right? It's so freaking easy. It's just like almond milk, you can make that pretty easily too. Yeah, it's so My easy. mom did that too and I was like, she was telling me how easy it is. Yeah, you can make like so many things that you would think like you could, couldn't make. Like um, vanilla extract. Ooh. I know you can make that. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, that's pretty random. But that's something that I was like, didn't know how they made it. Right. It's super easy. Just vanilla vodka, which like yeah. random. Um, okay. What is your, if you're going into a bar, cause I know you said you do drink sometimes. I mm-hmm. feel like everyone I bring on the podcast doesn't really drink that much. It's so <laughs> interesting. What is your go-to drink order if you're going into a bar? Yeah. So actually, usually I won't drink and I'll get soda water with a splash of orange juice That's and a lime. Good. And I always ask for them to put it in a wine glass. Ooh. So I always get like a soda watery drink and I ask them to put it in a wine glass because I like that feeling, the vibe. Um, but recently I've been drinking wine, which is totally new. I used to be like beer, hazy IPA, but I'll try to get an organic cab if they have Nice. One. I love that. Um, I love wine so much. I'm getting, I feel like I'm maturing because I'm starting to like it. Right? When we like, I feel like that was me too. When I started to drink like, or like care about what kind of wine it was. And then yeah. I was like, ooh, like I'm an adult now. Right. <laughs> and then wine gave me heartburn. So I really became an adult. So yeah, I don't, I really only drink like this, like a Prosecco or a champagne if I'm drinking wine now because it gives me major heartburn, which I'm like, cool, getting older. <laughs> um, wait, how old are you? 27. 27. Okay. So did you ever have AOL AIM? Yeah. Yeah. What was your screen name? Oh my God. (laughs) My screen name. This is so funny and nobody's ever asked me this. By the way, I was young. (laughs) It was Alien Chick 69. Alien Chick 69. Oh my God. And my parents were like, why 69? Why was it 69? Because I liked the way it looked. Oh. Like, you know, they... Like a yin-yang. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was cute. That is hilarious. (laughs) That is hilarious, right? 69 is such a, like, a funny thing when you're a kid, too. Yeah. I didn't know. I was so young. And 
that's the funny part is that like they don't know but it's funny to them still okay well I was gonna ask you and this is usually one of the questions I ask is like uh what's your best Amazon purchase this month but you don't use Amazon so what was your next I mean your best purchase this month Mm. and you're also a minimalist which we didn't even touch on yeah (laughs) like that's why we're so so opposite because I'm (laughs) like I try to be more like I try to be more thoughtful with my purchases but definitely not a minimalist but you are would you consider yourself a legit minimalist oh my god yeah yeah okay so which is funny because i i told you the one thing i bought recently which i'll share but i think i've only bought one thing in the last like besides like groceries mm -hmm. so i bought a salt lamp alarm clock because I'm trying to use my phone less in bed. So I bought that this week. But it's been months of me wanting to buy an alarm clock and having this aversion. You're going to laugh. I left my house a couple weeks ago. I don't have a blow dryer. And I really want one. And I went to go buy one. And they didn't have the brand I wanted. So I was like, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to buy the brand I want. And then I moved the box and I saw the brand that I want and I didn't buy it. And the reason I didn't buy it was because it came with the diffuser mm-hmm. and the other thing. And all I could think about was how it was going to sit under my sink and what if I didn't use it enough. And it had nothing to do with money. Yeah. Like, because I'll spend money on stuff. I have no problem spending money on like random things. But I just couldn't so I still don't have a blow dryer that is so interesting (laughs) but I think my alarm clock let me think if I bought anything else oh oh we went to world market and bought a bunch of candles and a baskets to put under my coffee table and that made me so happy so when you're thinking of buying something when you're like like the blow dryer where you're mm-hmm. like I really want this mm-hmm. and you've thought about it for a long time mm-hmm. and you decide I am or I am not gonna purchase this item where is that like decision where does that come from because you were saying it's not about money right yeah it's about like I think of longevity okay I'm like if I buy it I imagine where it's gonna live in my house and then I imagine like how long I'm gonna have it Mm -hmm. and if I'm gonna use it so I think it really comes down to is it going to really bring me joy Mm. to have it or is it gonna bring me more joy to have a more organized shelf under my sink so you're acting upon long-term joy yeah yeah do you ever impulse buy yeah I do and it's usually like I'll impulse buy on clothes. Okay. And, and then within a week, I'll donate them. Oh, that's right. You said that on your Instagram story this morning. Yeah. That you donated. Yeah. I, I have <laughs> my closet is, I'll have to send you a photo. It's empty. I have one basket of laundry, and that's like all. When I go out of town, everything comes with me because I don't have. Yeah, so <laughs> like, interesting. So interesting. Yeah. So whenever you are wanting to like buy something new, like a clothing item, right? Mm-hmm. And then you just get your use out of it, whatever you, let's say you needed it for like a photo mm-hmm. or like a photo shoot or 
branding or something like that. You buy it, you use it, and then you're like, okay, I'm mo- I'm giving it away to someone else. Yeah. I either like buy secondhand and donate. I try not to do like, you know, I try to buy everything that's either going to last a really long time or it's made of good materials or I buy it secondhand. Or I'll buy certain things that I know I'm going to have forever, like this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is really nice, and I'm going to have it for a long time, so like that. So interesting. Yeah. I have the exact opposite problem. I love that. I literally buy things because I am so enticed by them. Like, I impulse buy. I probably don't I, – I don't do it as much anymore, but I impulse buy, and then I have, like, a specific occasion I want to wear it for. And then I never wear it for that occasion. Funny. Really weird. Yeah, I like... But I love all this stuff you have. And I want stuff, like, Mm -hmm. in my house. And I... I don't think I could create something like this within the next 10 years. Because that's how long it would take me to, like, buy all this stuff. 10 years? Whoa. (laughs) Like, you know, we... Lived in our house for one year before having anything in the bedroom, like any decorations. Because I just couldn't decide which ones I wanted to have that's forever. a really hard problem for me, too, deciding. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard problem for me. Because I used to buy, like, everything that caught my eye, like mm-hmm. I was saying, impulse buy. But I liked a lot of different types of things. I always reference this, too, but I, when I was, like, decorating this house, I took a lot more time. Like, I had to slow my roll a lot it's so cute but I um I would ask myself or I would reference back to like what I wanted like I would uh had like a Pinterest board for what I wanted the house to look like like what vibe I wanted to go for and then I would every time I would want to buy something I would like look at it and see if it matched that vibe Mm. or if was it just something I liked maybe I would like it in somebody else's home but I would want to buy it because I'm like oh I like it right but so making a decision sometimes is hard for me in that aspect because I, I like so many different things. But I think that can help with, like, people who may have a problem, like, making a decision on something and, like, asking, like, okay, does it fit the vibe? Yeah. Yeah. That's a new thing I'm starting to do. Like, I started to look at Pinterest because I would buy stuff. And I'm like, this doesn't really fit Yeah. the vibe. In this, I'll talk about this um, jacket hoodie thing that I'm wearing – it's the brand. Do you know the brand Tibby? I think I've heard of it. They're a, they're a brand, and I went to their New York fashion show, and I was listening to the owner like talk about the company, and her thing was you have to figure out what your style is mm-hmm. and only buy stuff that fits that. For sure. So like mine is, you know, I usually like to have something baggy, and I'm kind of like if I'm wearing a feminine piece it's gonna be mixed with a bunch of baggy right oversized stuff yeah and she was like figure out what your style is and only buy stuff that matches that and don't buy that one shirt just because you like it if it doesn't really fit your style because you'll never wear it yeah and I was like whoa that's so smart it is really smart because there's a lot of things that we like but then we're like never wear like me yeah my I always use the excuse like I'm gonna use it for a photo (laughs) <laughs> and I do do that a lot and then I'll donate. But. Yeah. That's been a big one for me now that I do photo shoots for my work as I'm starting to buy. Every time I have a photo shoot, the hardest part is what do I wear? Yeah. Because I'm like, I've already worn. <laughs> yeah, but I think at the same time, like whenever I get dressed for the podcast, I think we go like I always go back to the same thing. 
things. Mm-hmm. Like we all have those things in our closet that we wear like multiple times. Yeah. You know, like I have worn this shirt on the podcast probably like every podcast except for like maybe five, <laughs> you yeah. know, but I always wear it because it's something that I know is comfortable. I know it's, you know, reliable, whatever. Right. Or a version of this. And then I spice it with something else. So it's like what you're saying, like with the photo shoot is like, we're going to go back to what we typically wear. Maybe on a photo shoot, you might go a little bit more out, but yeah, I mean, people like gravitate towards that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. your energy and what feels good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or are you reading anything right now? Oh, Mm, I'm actually reading a book called How to Break Up with Your Phone. Interesting. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm trying to bring my my big thing right now is trying to be on my phone less. Yeah. I think it's really important, especially for people who work on their phone. Yeah. Like me. So I'm listening to a book called How to Break Up with Your Phone, which is really basic from someone who you know, I'm well-versed on mindset work and it's essentially just being really mindful yeah. about how do you feel when you pick it up? How do you feel when you put it down? And realizing how much time mm-hmm. you spend instead of just being bored and tapping into your creativity. I find that really interesting. Yeah. I have been noticing this thing that I do when I'm like scrolling where I'm like, ah, oh, okay, I want to stop scrolling. And I don't. Yeah. And I'm so, I get so frustrated with myself when I do that because I'm like, okay, like, but it really is, uh, it can be very addicting just being on your phone in general, whether it's on social media or not. Um, but I was going to say when you said it's kind of like basic, like you said, from someone who does mindset work, do you find now that you've like read more or done more work or tapped into yourself more that you sometimes read books and they're like not as interesting or like you're kind of like I've heard this before I've read this before because everything is this is almost like the same like you're saying it's really just mindfulness yeah and it's it's just whatever speaks to you Mm -hmm. like it's all I always say that I'm like it's not that complicated yeah it's just do what you want do what you know it's like these same basic yeah principles and it's just how someone says it or how it will land mm-hmm. for you at a certain mm-hmm. time is what really yeah but I totally like I'm always disappointed I'm like really I've heard this yeah <laughs> or I knew this or which partially I want to get better at having a more open mind yeah because that's not a good thing to just think I already know this yeah like yeah. what a terrible way to to go through life but I think that it's a lot of these just basic concepts which is funny because people will say I always ask my clients what was your favorite part what did you like what really shifted and they'll say the most basic things they're like what really shifted was when you asked me to tell you what I wanted in life I'm like really that was it all this stuff groundbreaking yeah (laughs) but it's like always the simple things just like pay attention tap into what you want yeah, I think that's big. I think, uh, like you said, it's it's having that, like, open mind to, like, the, with the book thing is, like, having that open mind to learning more, even though it may be so similar yeah. to what you've already learned, or it may be the same principles as what you've already learned, but I've been struggling with that. That's why I asked, because I'm reading a book right now that I probably a year ago would have been, like, fascinated by, mm. and I was telling Renee, like, I'm 
kind of having trouble like I'm not excited to read it but should I finish it or is that my ego saying I should finish it or should I finish it with the right intention of like okay maybe there is something that I'm gonna learn or something that I can relate to a client or something that's gonna spark a creativity within myself you know yeah I think I've definitely felt that and I I just stopped reading as much. I'm like, you yeah. know what? I, I, I go through seasons where mm-hmm. I learn a lot, and then I go through seasons where I really tap in. Yeah. Because we don't want to give too much of our power away. For sure. Like, because we, everyone, you, me, everyone, like, we know so much. Like, our intuition, our magic is so strong, and I think sometimes we don't need to read any more books. Sometimes we don't. That's powerful. Yeah, that's super powerful. Like, what if we didn't need to read anything else? Yeah. Because we could just rely on our own intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I go through seasons, too, and I think we all do go through seasons of, like, I want to learn a lot, or I want to tap into myself, or I'm burned out of doing that, so I'm going to move to something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Once you start embracing those seasons, your life is so much easier because right. you're not, like holding guilt or shame for not doing these should things yeah interesting yeah okay I have to wrap it because otherwise I'm going to keep talking (laughs) this is my problem is like I'm like I will talk forever to someone that was so Um, fun so fun okay so let me outro it real quick yeah um so I want to say thank you so much for coming making the drive to Long Beach for me coming spending your time um, holding space in this space. Thanks for sharing your story and just being here, sharing it with everybody else who's listening. Um, like I said, I'll have everything linked down for her below, as well as any of like my links and stuff like that. You guys can find in the show notes down below or on Instagram. So it's confident AF podcast on Instagram. If you guys want to follow, um, thank you so much for coming and until next week. Don't forget to let your confidence shine. That was so fun and so good. I love that. So...